Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza! Yakuza! Yakuza Kick Radio! 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 This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us. Jesus! God and baby. Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah! Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Spirited Dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on this cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you couldn't. Now look at that doctor, homie. Fuck that. Black dude. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza diabetes for about 20 years. Oh, shit! Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, Jay Cap Morris. So, yeah, you know, I figured I'd do the show tonight. Uh, man, I, I've been, been kind of meaning to get to it since I did the last show because I got fucking cut off after an hour. Um, I, I finished the show, did probably an hour and a half, hour, 40 minutes, something like that. And, uh, as soon as I closed out the show, I started getting like, are you still on? Uh, is there, are you playing classical music? Like, <laughs> I guess the, the show stopped at an hour and then they just started playing like, um, you know, fucking elevator music. Um, so basically like there was a message on the screen when I started last week that said something like we're having some difficulties with, with host and guest call-ins and shit. Stay tuned for updates. But, like, I, I don't have time to fucking stay tuned for updates and sit around and wait for some kind of notification or whatever. So I figured, let me just fucking try it. Because I don't do, like, the standard call-in, like, via phone or whatever. And I don't have, like, a guest calling in or whatever. 
So I'm doing the direct call, which goes like from my mic, my computer right to the, the service. So I figured, let me just try. If it's going to work, it's going to work. And sure enough, it worked. So I was like, all right, we're off and rolling. Well, I guess amongst whatever problems they were having uh, forced it to stop my show at an hour. So I, I don't know why that happened because I don't think that was the exact problem they were having. But maybe amongst them trying to fix things, they were knocking shows off or whatever. I don't know. But so I lost the last, you know, half hour, 40 minutes of what I was saying. Uh, I don't remember everything that I was going over because, you know, I just kind of fucking ran rave and ramble. So um, I know I covered all the stuff about Joey last week, so uh, I could leave that alone and, uh, you know, just go into whatever else I had, uh, any other questions that I had in the um, on the Facebook or whatever and things of that nature and a few other things that have come up since. Uh, one thing that I wanted to mention and the reason I wanted to make sure I did this show tonight before tomorrow, um, because tomorrow night I will be going to the Count Basie um, Theater in Red Bank to see none other than Andrew Dice Clay. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay was a guy who, I mean, you know, people could just look at his humor and just be like, ah, oh, it's tasteless, it's it's crude, it's it's disgusting, he's, you know, misogynist and this and that, whatever the case. Um, this is a guy that I first heard his first album when it came out, you know, I'm sure within, you know, a year uh, I'm not sure exactly what month uh, it came out and what month I heard it or what have you, because I was about 12, 13 years old. So understand that Andrew Dice Clay's comedy at 12, 13 years old is like having porn. I mean, it, it was something you couldn't have around your parents. They didn't, they weren't going to know you had it or, you know, you had to listen to, I don't even remember how I got the fucking tape, but I had the tape. And, um, you know, you'd listen to it like close to the speaker with it down low or headphones on, but like the one headphone off so you could hear someone coming, you know, like, what are you listening to? What are you laughing about? You know, um, because the type of shit he was talking about was, you know, not what you want your fucking 12 year old listening to for sure. Um, and I mean, this shit he was talking about fucking and all of this pussy and I, these are things I wouldn't actually physically know about for quite a few years after that but it was so taboo and it was so fucking cutting and um just the rawest fucking comedy possible and um you know this this many years later i'm now 41 and i, I get to go see him live tomorrow night and um it's you know kind of a bucket list type thing uh, i've heard you're not really supposed to have bucket lists when you're you know 41 or something but Either way, um, it's just one of those things, one of those comedians I wish that I could see live, you know, and, and um, I'm glad I get the opportunity to do so. The Count Basie Theater is one of the most beautiful theaters. Not that I've been to a ton of them, but I've seen a handful of comedians there from Bill Burr multiple times to Bob Saget to Louis C.K. before he started beating off in front of his um, Oh, I saw Weird Al there, saw... Um, John Caparulo, um, you know, and uh, then next month I see the Creeps with Kids comedy tour, which is going to have um, uh, Jim Florentine, it's going to have uh, Bobby Kelly, Rich Voss, and Ron Bennington. 
So those four all in one lineup. That's just going to be a fucking beast fucking show. Um, so I'm really excited to see that. And, um, yeah, so tomorrow's going to be pretty dope. Later in the month, I get to see um, Joey Diaz at the Stress Factory over in New Brunswick. So, again, another thing I'm looking forward to. I love comedy shows, and um, I'm going to start to at least try to, like, knock a bunch of these big names off my list, guys that I wanted to see live. And, and we really have a good scene for comedy out here, whether it be the Stress Factory or the um, the, the Count Basie Theater. So I've never been to the Stress Factory, so seeing Joey Diaz will be the first time I've been there. Uh, so hopefully that'll go well, and I'll enjoy, you know, my experience in the venue and all of that stuff because they do host a lot of comedians I want to see, like Jim Norton and um, uh, who the fuck else? Uh, Victor Benedetto. Um, they have a lot of comedians out there that roll through that are they're really dope. So. Definitely looking to see a lot more of that. Uh, Artie Lang pops in and out of there. Uh, he's, he's going back to Count Basie in January. I'm going to see if I can see him again. He seems to be sober now. He says eight months sober, which I'm very, very happy to hear. Um, he looks a lot He looks a lot brighter and, and healthier, even though his nose is smeared on his face, and that's probably never going to be this, you know, unless he gets reconstruction. Like, it, it kind of is what it is. But he just looks like a healthier guy at the moment. You know, those demons run deep, so... I mean, it could be just one fucking day that goes wrong and he's back in the, in the basement with that shit. But, uh, you know, I always hope for the best for him. He's fucking hilarious, but you know, this, this is the type of stuff that I'm into. I, I, I love this no holds barred, um, fuck the PC bullshit. That that's, that's what I come from. I, I come from that level of mentality where like not everything needs to fucking cripple you and, and offend you and, and put you in some kind of bullying fucking uh, downward spiral or, or any of that bullshit. Because, you know, realistically, like, you know, I, I was legitimately bullied, um, you know, growing up. Like, get the shit kicked out of me. Like, I, when I moved to the town that I live in, uh, rap music was not something that motherfuckers were, were used to, um, you know having around like then no one was down with that type of shit there were more rednecks and that type of shit going on around here so when i came out here at fucking seven eight years old you know a lot of the stuff that i had uh kind of ingrained in me because you know i had i'd grown up listening to all sorts of different things we were one of a couple black uh black families yeah we were one of a couple white families in like a i don't want to say projects but it was like you know apartments like apartment buildings out in um, Woodbridge. And, uh, you know, not that that's, you know, Newark, New Jersey or any or Camden or anything like that. But again, way more multicultural than what I, what I moved to down here. Um, now, you know, it's, it's way more diversified and everything now, but, um, then it wasn't, it wasn't that type of thing. And it was frowned upon. It was like, well, what do you think you're black? You know, like, and I got a lot of shit, you know, and, and legitimately got, you know, beat the fuck up for a lot of years. And I always had like a, I always had a mouth on me, so when it comes down to it, you know, I I wasn't friendly to the motherfuckers who weren't liking me to begin with. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely caught caught a lot of shit, and both physically and, and verbally, and it was I was in the outcast my whole life, you know. Um, so it, it's not it's not something that I don't um, understand as far as actual bullying. 
But this thing where someone hears the word faggot and now they're in like a, a fucking panic mode and, and a, a full on victimized and this and that, that that's not that's not that that's that's not some deep psychological bullying like you know i'm not saying like a gay person should be just fucking slandered and you know um you know put in a place where they feel uncomfortable wherever they are what have you but when it comes to just like oh this person said the word and i don't care what the context is and i don't care what the meaning or or who they were talking to it's just that person should lose their job and it's just what the fuck like, what is going on? Like, you guys don't know real, like, no one's punched you in the face in your entire life. Because if if they had, maybe, like, words would land a little softer on you. Because it's not it's not a full-on attack, like, the way that this, this generation now uh, perceives things. And the way that they... They take things in. It's just everything. It's just that ah, needs to stop. No, it's it's a different time. It's 2019. Like, shut the fuck up, man. Why does everything need to be so pussified? It's fucking crazy. You know, comedy's comedy, and um, things should all be taken in the context they're meant in. Not just, uh, you know, everything's a, a major fucking bullying attack, and everyone's a victim. It's um, It's way out of hand. Things have gotten way out of hand. Yeah, on so many levels and so many different um, avenues, it's it's crazy. I'll touch on one of them a little bit, but um, so yeah, I mean, hearing this type of comedy still exist is very refreshing to me, you know, and it's it it shows me that not not all of uh, what I what I grew up on and and what I was used to you know, is gone. It's not all fucking gone, which is good because all of this thing where we're supposed to just uh, conform to this new level of no, no, you, you can't say that anymore. Just because I I've decided me and my friends have decided that you can't say that word. And if you say that word or any of these, this other list of words that we have that offend us, we'll gang up and fucking berate you, which is, Oh, by the way, kind of the bullying that you claim to be against to begin with, right? Like, you're looking to remove motherfuckers' jobs over words. You're looking to attack people physically over words. You know? But, claim to be anti-bullying. Claim to be, you know, for everyone's rights and this and this and that. To stem off of that, I mean, there's some crazy fucking shit that's going on out there. Um... You know, with with this this equal rights thing, and uh, you know, look, equal rights to me, I think should mean everyone maintains their rights, and everybody, no one's um hated on or discriminated against or treated differently. When you start pe- treating someone as superior, that's immediately not equal rights. That's that's how I've seen things. Um, like Portland, um, office buildings in Portland are removing the urinals from the men's bathrooms as to not offend uh, transgender. But I I didn't know that urinals were offensive. I mean, if that's not what you want to use, then don't fucking use it. I mean, I personally would rather the stalls and shit, you know, you don't know what kind of motherfuckers are sliding up next to you and what kind of dick control they got, you know, piss on your fucking pants or something. You know, I'm not really up for that type of action, but like, Removing fucking urinals based on someone being offended or something. What the fuck is going on? You know, it's just there, there's some real wild shit going on now. Um. So yeah, um, 
So to stem off of this, uh, JT Dunn, he's a, a wrestler formerly of the uh, Juicy Product with David Starr, another, you know, social justice warrior, um, for attention. And uh, also formerly um, Chris Hero's little sidekick. He was like his protege or whatever the fuck you want to call it. And uh, he he took... I don't know. He shared it on Twitter, which was something where he said, like, if if you come to the show, don't be this guy because I will go out of my way to, you know, put you in your place. And so I watched the clip and I guess the guy called him a faggot or something. I don't know. Like, I, I didn't really it was hard to even hear what the guy even said. But he labeled it as some kind of slur, some kind of, you know, slur of some sort. And um he uh he gets he's on the fucking mic. He he climbs out onto the ring apron, which like, you know, there's all these wrestling shows now that the fans are like standing like up against the ring. They're not like sitting in seats four feet away anymore. Like a lot of times they're right on the ring, like close enough to bang on the ring and shit, which is I guess cool, you know, depending on you know, the venue or whatever the case is, but so this was kind of the situation here. So he got on the the ring apron and he's pretty much just staring right down at the guy. And he's he's telling that you know if you come to this show and I hear you say something like that if if the authorities weren't here or something I'd beat the shit out of you and I'd rape you in front of all these people and I'm thinking well okay um so I guess this is your version of being evolved because you won't tolerate that word but you'll beat up and rape a guy in defense of someone not using that word so okay um. Let's just play devil's advocate here. Would you rather a guy work at your job that that threw a slur around every once in a while, but really never did anything physically to anybody, or would you rather a violent rapist at your fucking job? You know, I, I'll give you a little while to think about that, but I, I have a feeling I know the answer if you're any kind of a logically thinking human being. Um, this is this is the cliff we've jumped off of though, where it's like, dude. If you aren't sensitive to my cause, I will beat the fucking shit out of you and rape you. It's like, whoa, that's, uh, I don't know, a little harsh. Probably a little harsh. I think you're the bigger problem here. But, you know, I mean, I, to each their own. I guess we could weigh out everybody's thoughts and options. But I, I feel like you're, uh, you're, you're the problem here, sir. You know? And, and not only that, but like, we're not even acknowledging the fact that, like, what you did is a straight-up crime, and what the other guy didn't isn't really. I mean, I mean, you could say, I guess, a hate crime or a hate speech or something like that if he's saying something against, you know, a race or, or religion or, um, you know, uh, sexuality. Um, but <laughs> you're you're threatening violence and rape, so I, you know. Uh, that that that's that's where we're at um so yeah um what else i got let me see let me see oh so my niners let's let's talk about my fucking niners a little bit 4-0 motherfucking 49ers you know that's what i'm talking about um now 
I, I keep getting this bullshit because this is just this is just the nonsense that I continue to have to hear. Every team we play is just having a bad week. Every fucking team we play has the worst week ever. Not that they just played a superior team to fucking smack the shit out of them and put them in their place. But every team we play is just having a bad week. What a terrible week. Oh, the Browns are trash now. The Browns are complete trash now. Well, the Browns just beat the Ravens last week. And the Ravens were completely dominant up until that game. And the the Ravens got beat 40-25. to The Browns put up 40 points on the fucking Ravens. Oh, they put up three on the Niners, but that must be... The Browns, not the Niners, right? Well, what happened the week before? Oh, the Browns lost to the Rams 20-13. to The Rams were the hands-down favorite to win our division. Okay. Uh, what happened the week before that? Let me see. The Browns beat the Jets, which the Jets aren't shit, but they beat them 23-3. So that week, it was a different team scoring three points. And week one, what happened with the Browns? Browns came out week one. And they, I think they lost to somebody. Where are these fucking jerk-offs? They, wow, where, why can't I find the Browns? Oh, the the Titans beat them pretty bad, forty three to thirteen. So again, um, but I mean, Chubb put up crazy fucking numbers last week. Um, he looked completely unstoppable, and you know we we've been absolutely fucking dominant. Um, week one, we beat the fucking shit out of the Bucks, thirty one to seventeen. Since then. People have called the Bucks contenders when they're battling out with the Saints. And they're doing what they're doing. They're calling Jameis, Jameis a fucking beast. They're calling this guy a factor. They're calling him something else. Right? But when we beat the shit out of him week one and we created two pick sixes. Now, let's not get it fucked up, guys. You keep thinking that all these quarterbacks are just throwing really bad balls. We have the best pass rush in the fucking league. The defensive pressure we're putting on fucking quarterbacks is unmatched. So when we're putting that pressure on quarterbacks and they're making hasty throws and they're making quick decisions and they're trying to force the ball, that's when the ball's getting fucking picked off. Why Why is that so difficult for people to see? It's not just a quarterback, oh, he made a lot of bad decisions. If it wasn't for him handing the, the 49ers two, two touchdowns, well, it was handed to him because he had fucking... Nick Boza, you had D. Ford, you had DeForest Buckner coming through that fucking line quick. Guys, you know, you guys are getting it fucked up. And what's funny now is because I got people fucking last night, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna really fucking get at that a little bit. Um. Oh well, the, you know, nobody that the Ford Downers beat were over 500. Okay, but I, I. The majority of the fucking teams that the Patriots beat aren't over 500. But nobody's calling the Patriots fucking fake, right? Of course not. They're the fucking Patriots. You know? 
this is what I mean. Like the Patriots blew out the Jets. They blew out the Dolphins. They blew out the Redskins. Those are three of the worst teams in the fucking league. We we haven't played any of those teams. You tell me the Steelers, the Browns, the Bucks. Those aren't better fucking teams than than the the ones I just named. Of course they are. People are just trying to be clowns, and and you know people want to sleep on this fucking Niner team no matter what, no matter how many wins they they get, no matter how many losses they have not gotten. The fucking power rankings every week is like, oh, the Bears are above them in the power rankings, based on fucking what? They're rolling with a backup fucking quarterback. Banging-ass defense, but how'd that defense look when the Raiders just fucking beat him? Not as good, right? Oh, they slide down in the power rankings. Maybe you guys fucked up. Maybe that's where they shouldn't have been in the fucking power rankings. You had an undefeated Nier team, but you weren't going to give them credit over the Bears, who already lost games and just lost another one. It, it's fucking silly. Absolutely silly. But, you know, again, keep sleeping. It's all good. So now here's, here's the other side of things. Um, I'm not up for, look... My favorite fucking, just about my favorite thing in the fucking world is my 49ers. And watching the Niner games, and for my team after all this time to be on top, for them to be one of the two undefeated teams in the league, um, it's the Patriots, it's the Niners. I mean, the Colts, look. Brissett is a good quarterback. I was thinking earlier, you know, going into the season before Andrew Luck even retired, I was thinking, man, Brissett's going to get a starting job somewhere because there's no way that this guy is going to stay a backup for too long because I think he's too good for that. I think he's going to win a starting job somewhere, whether he gets a couple reps with Luck's out, whatever the case is, he's going to get his starting job somewhere. And then turns out Luck retires. He's got a starting job right where he's at. So I don't think that the Colts are a joke by any stretch of the imagination. And their defense was holding the Chiefs down. They turned around and beat the fucking Chiefs. But we're, we're labeling the Chiefs as superior. We're labeling them as an unbeatable force, except for the fact that they got beat. And if you think the defense, the Colts defense that rattled Patrick Mahomes adds up to our defense, you're crazy. You're fucking crazy. Nick Boza had an absolute beast of a game. Richard Sherman is playing Legion of Boom level football back there. So when mistakes are being made by these quarterbacks because the pass rush is coming at them, you have a veteran first ballot Hall of Famer and Richard Sherman back there waiting for you to make fucking mistakes. You got Quan Alexander, a linebacker, a guy who, who was a top fucking guy for the Bucks, got injured, came back from injury, and they couldn't afford to keep him. And he's our guy now. And you know our D-line, like I said. It's crazy. And Jimmy Ward back there, too, waiting. He just came back. I mean, you guys got problems. Our fucking, our running back core is crazy. With Matt Breida and um, Tevin Coleman, even Raheem Mostert is a fucking beast. You got to understand that. We we went and got fucking Jarek McKinnon last year thinking this is going to be our guy. This is going to be our catching passes out of the backfield. He's going to be the guy, this and that. He got injured before the fucking season started. And it hasn't been back since. This is fucking two years now. Undrafted fucking Matt Breida came in and has been an absolute beast. Some of the weeks last year, he had fucking top running back numbers. He just broke off an 82-yard fucking run. First play from scrimmage. 
And the speed he hit was faster than anybody that ran in the league that fucking this week. Again, sleep on us if you want to. Jimmy Garoppolo, is he absolutely perfect? No. Is he hitting receivers? Is he throwing touchdowns? Yep. Sure the fuck is. And our defense is unfucking uh, unstoppable. Ten fucking shots towards the red zone. Ten red zone opportunities by opponents. The past ten red zone opportunities, we've allowed two touchdowns. You know what I mean? So that means you get that close ten fucking times, you're only getting in there twice. If you're lucky. The Browns were not so lucky. Three fucking points for the Browns. So, you know, again, sleep sleep if you want. We're doing this. We're, We're fucking doing this. We're playing the fucking Rams next week that have already been exposed. That's going to be a tough game, though. The Rams always play us tough. No matter how tough we are, the fucking Rams play us tough. Always have. And they have weapons out there. But, boy, we're we're coming at them. Jared Goff is going to get his ass whooped back there. And he better fucking scratch and claw and fight for his fucking life if he's going to make a fucking a game out of it with us. And following that, we got the fucking bullshit Redskins. So, we get past these Rams... And don't fall into some trap game bullshit with the fucking Redskins that have been getting stomped out all fucking year. You're talking about a possible 6-0 49ers. Yo. I- I'm telling you right now, like, you guys sleep if you want. Motherfuckers are calling us an eight-win we- eight team at best. Well, we got four. The first four we played. So, keep keep in touch. You know what I mean? Like Sherman was saying on, on uh, the interviews. If you said we weren't going to be shit, if you said we weren't going to make it, you said we weren't going to be any good, keep that fucking energy all season long. Keep saying that shit. While we keep winning games, keep telling us how, how we're not really that good and you're not sold and you're not buying it and this and that. But back to my point being, I'm riding a fucking wave right now. I'm watching my fucking Niners succeed. When I, I mean, we had some rough fucking years. A lot of rough fucking years. And my team's undefeated right now and showing every fucking reason out there why you should take us seriously. And you don't have to take us seriously, but don't come on my motherfucking posts and start trying to shit on my undefeated team thinking I'm going to take a light on you. I'll bury every one of you motherfuckers that come on my post and make you look fucking stupid. Because I don't respect motherfuckers that are trying to rain on my fucking parade. You're not shitting on me because, hey, we lost that game. You guys looked like shit today. You're taking a guy with all fucking wins and trying to knock him off his fucking pedestal. You're trying to you're trying to rain on my fucking parade. You're trying to ruin my motherfucking party. And I'm not having it. Every one of you can go fuck yourself. The little teenage kid that showed up on my fucking post, a little deathmatch mark kid. Deleted. Get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? I, I told him to fuck himself last night, and then today he jumped on another fucking post and said some stupid shit about um which which I'll I'll talk about that in a minute too. Um but and, and that was the last straw. I was like, he's on my last nerve, and he's gone. That's it. I mean, I don't need to deal with motherfuckers like that. There's other cats, an Eagles fan. Yeah, I mean, the dude does not want me to get at him, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to rip this fucking guy apart. I'm not. I'm going to leave him alone. But he's going to leave me the fuck alone, too, because I hurt his fucking feelings. No question about it. So... 
that that's just that. I'm not I'm not really up for motherfuckers trying to shit on on my happiness. I'm not I'm not really down with it. And and if you want to come at me, understand who you're coming at because I I could outwit motherfuckers nine times out of ten. Yeah, I mean anyone who listens to this shit or or knows how fucking hard I go on shit. I don't pull punches. I'm not fucking polite about shit. I started going at the one dude and he's like, "Oh, you take shit too seriously." No, nah, I'm not it's not me taking shit too seriously. It's when I fucking strike back and shit hurts a little more than what you said. So maybe stop fucking with me cuz it's probably not a good idea. I'm probably the last one you want to get riled the fuck up because I I I'm fucking relentless with this dumb shit. I'm here for the bullshit, man. You know? Um and if I if enough of what you say fucking annoys me, then get I get you right the fuck off my Facebook, man. I, I don't need you. I don't need you on there. All right. So then that that's the end of that. Go fucking Niners next week. Rams. Let's fucking get it. Um. So then the other post that the the teenage kid chimed in on that I was just like, all right, we're all done. Kid Osborne shared a a video. Um, that was a police video and he didn't even share his opinion on it. And I don't really want to know his fucking opinion on it. Cause I have a feeling it's not, might, might not be the same as mine, which, you know, there's a thing. There's clear police brutality that goes on out there. There are some, some vengeful, hateful, um, law officers who are out there doing the wrong thing. But I don't give a fuck who you think you are. If I see a video and the cop pulls the guy over and asks him for ID and he's like, I don't have to give you anything. Now you, you tell me what you're talking to this cop. Like he needs to play by your rules. You got it all fucked up. You're trying to tell him like, no, you need to answer my question or I'm not doing anything. They have guns. They have, pepper spray they have tasers they got sticks they got all sorts of shit that they can legally beat the shit out of you with and now you can go well my rights say this and this and this okay but you're probably gonna get fucked up before you figure out whether your rights are gonna you know it's like a you know like in football you you can throw the challenge flag and shit eh, but the refs may or may not agree with you and at the end of the day they have the upper hand so if you're not doing anything at all to comply with the police officer and it gets you fucked up. I don't want to hear about race. I don't want to hear about fucking, oh, hey, violence and, and uh, brutality and this and that. It, you listen to fucking 99 Problems by Jay-Z. He was a fucking idiot talking to the cop like that. And even at the end, like, it, it was kind of, the, it, it's one of the silliest verses I ever heard. Because he, he goes at the cop. And he's like, yeah, I, I ain't stepping out of shit. My paper's legit. And he's like, uh, he's like, uh, my glove, <laughs> my glove compartment's locked, so it's the trunk in the back. So <laughs> I know my rights. So you're gonna need a warrant for that. And he's like, yeah, all right, motherfucker. We'll see how smart you are when the dogs come. And he's like, oh fuck. Now I got 99 problems, and I ain't a bitch. It's my stupid ass mouth talking to the cops like I, I can fucking do what I want. Cause now he's got a dog coming. I got some shit in the trunk. Yeah, you know I mean, like. You, you're talking to a motherfucker who's got control of the situation. And you're you're relying on his tolerance of your bullshit. 
of your fucking stupid ass attitude, knowing that he could just yoke you out of that fucking car and use whatever amount of force he feels is necessary to fucking restrain you. And then you start fighting going, but I didn't do nothing, but I didn't do nothing. As you continue to stand up, they're going to fuck you the fuck up. I don't give a fuck what color you are. Ain't got shit to do with anything. You don't have the right to just fucking resist until they give you a, a good explanation for your fucking liking. You're a fucking idiot if you're doing that type of shit. So this dude was just nonstop. You know, nah, nah. And he, and he starts right off. Oh, no, because you're going to kill me because you can kill me right here. And the guy's like, you're being irrational. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're even talking about. I'm asking you for ID. I ain't shit. You know, it, well, I'll let you know about my ID when I, when you tell me why you pulled me over. And he's like, as soon as you give me ID, man, I'll let you know exactly what's going on. And he just kept fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. And finally, they're like, all right, you're refusing to give me ID, which is a restable offense by itself. Refusing identification. It's just, you know, it's the first fucking thing, like, license, registration, proof of insurance, and you go, nah, fuck you. What the fuck are they going to go? Like, all right, well, you had your way. Uh, uh, You know, sorry for bothering you, sir. You clearly are not in the mood for my shit. Like, how do you think that's going to turn out? You're a fucking idiot. And I'm just like, good, fuck him up. Fuck him up. Drop a knee in his back. Fuck this motherfucker, because who, who the fuck do you think you are? So if this is what you're outraged about as far as uh, brutality and this and that, then you're fucking stupid. Just like the dude who who thinks he he had the upper hand on a cop by just saying, nah, I ain't fucking with you. I ain't doing it. So so the fucking kid was like, yeah, both sides were wrong. Fuck out of here. I'm not, I'm not, you don't belong on my Facebook. I'm not trying to hear your bullshit. So that, that was just, you know, my take on this guy's shit. And, um, yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really up for that. Um, let me see, what else do I got? I gotta go back to my uh, previous week's questions. See if I can. Oh, uh, this week, uh, Master P announces he now owns House of Glory Wrestling, um, the the wrestling company that's put on some very good. Um, matches and shows from what I've seen and kind of read because they have the worst distribution on the fucking planet. I've seen highlight reels and DVDs and um, full shows and all sorts of shit from pro wrestling gorilla all the way in fucking California. I'm in Jersey. These, these cats are in New York and you got to fucking, you got to struggle to find shit. Their distribution is trash. They barely put shows out on tape, on, on, on DVD. It's like you're there live or you're beat. And they were putting on shit like AJ versus Ricochet before he fucking, either one of these guys were in the WWE. And they're doing big fucking shit. When you see some of the things, they're like, oh shit, that happened? Oh yeah. But you just can't find it. And they're packing a little building or whatever the fucking case is, but their fucking their their ability to promote their product is terrible. And then doing cross promotional shit with fucking guys like DJ, like oh come on, that that's that's silly as shit. So you know, again, a lot of the talents there, the training is off the fucking chain. You got you know Red over there, absolute fucking veteran and legend. 
and a lot of the talent that's come out of there is fucking great. I, I've said a long time, like Smiley's an underrated talent. That that dude I thought was like a perfect fit for CZW years ago because he, I mean he was very innovative. He was a risk taker. He did a lot of different shit, and I and I thought that that would be a perfect fit. I mean, you get guys like this that are getting dark matches and and uh, you know fucking dojo wars, fucking shots, and then they just bury him. You know, they they did that little fucking House of Glory crossover thing with DJ, and it, it, the only interaction they really had was the rep because there was no even CZW team. It, it was fucking silly. Overall silly. They make a lot of silly-ass decisions. So now Master P owns this because we know how well rap mixes with fucking um, with uh, wrestling, like Urban Wrestling Federation. We know that that worked out swimmingly. How long before they're doing gun angles? Um, so Master P, and, and then he, he says some old stupid shit like, Vince better watch out, man. Uh, WWE's going down. It's uh, Oh, oh, man. You better work on distribution. You better work on being a fucking credible indie company who's doing iPay-per-views, who's doing distribution on their shows, on their product, getting the fucking word out there about everything that they're doing. And not keep shit so localized. You better worry about that first. You better get yourself a fucking half a fucking TV deal. Fuck a TV deal. Just an internet pay-per-view would be a a way big step up from where you're at now. You're talking about Vince. It's too many people are jumping to that fucking extreme. Everybody. Everybody's like, oh, watch out, Vince. (laughs) You in the past 10 feds that tried that shit. Where the fuck did any of that go? WCW. ECW. Now we got AEW, TNA, like, I just, no, none of you are a threat to Vince McMahon. Creating an alternative is one thing. And ride with that and build your fucking audience and do big things. No question, a lot of these feds can do big things. But to say you're challenging a billionaire, like, just, just fucking settle down. Why would you want to kick a fucking bee's nest? The guy knows how to fucking bankrupt companies. So, I don't know. Um, just, just stupid shit, but you could just paint failure on the top of that. I'll take the failure parlay of fucking um, uh, House of Glory and um, AEW. AEW is like a long term. I think they'll last a while. They have enough money to... Uh, to fuck things up for quite some time. I take the the TNA AEW um, fucking uh, House of Glory parlay, and I mean for failure against the WWE. But again, a short term, yeah, you guys will you guys will really fucking do some shit. Um, let me see. God damn it! Just trying to scroll through my fucking page, and I. Since these phones are fucking sensitive, you, know, you barely touch it the wrong way, and it, like, swipes right, and then I don't, I don't know how to get back to where the fuck I was. So, very difficult. Um, let me see. I was, I was fucking right there. At least I thought I was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to go back a little further top-notch podcasting right here, guys. Um, there it is. Here's the thing. All right. Um, 
Nick, uh, Mike Dix wants to know, Nick Gage telling fans to attack RSP if they see him. Um, yeah, that, that's fucking silly as shit. Um, I'm hoping one of these fans take that shit seriously and, and get RSP to skip over in their direction and punch them in the fucking mouth. Because these fans are out of fucking control. You know, they all think they're gang members and shit like this. And some of them are legitimately taking that shit seriously. It's fucking, it, it's real stupid. Um... I just, why would you encourage fans to attack wrestlers? And then what what are you later on just going to go? I was just, I was just joking. Like, I didn't really want you to do that. Like, that's, that was a bad idea. Um, you know, it's just fucking crazy. Um, Nick Gage's whole shit is whack now though. On on some completely really real shit. Because, I mean, this dude was giving a shout out to fucking... Chikara the other day because I guess he was at Chikara and they're like thank you King Nick Gage for being part of the show Oh, we, we love working with you and he's like thank you Chikara MDK and it's like oh yeah MD, MDK fucking how long before Gage is dressed like an ice cream you know <laughs> what fucking what what flavor ice cream is Nick Gage going to be in Shakara? It's fucking crazy. I, w- I wish the fucking uh, show wasn't on speaker in the living room. That would that'd be fantastic because I could hear it through my fucking headphones. It's not a good thing. Um, so there's a couple other things that have to do with the um, the AEW show. And I, I, I watched it, but I got to tell you, I'm not I'm not into it. Really not. There's a lot of bullshit that's going on in that company. It just doesn't appeal to me. Um, they did the whole main event thing where they had the Young Bucks and um, what was it? Young Bucks and Kenny Omega versus Jericho and EYFBO, whatever they're called now. And um, yeah, they had Mox come in and take um, Omega out of the equation. But then, like, the Young Bucks continued to, like, fight and battle, like, pretty much the whole match as if, like, they weren't at any disadvantage. In the long run, they were like, oh, okay, you know, they um, they lost because they were at a disadvantage. But it took, like, a long time with them battling like it didn't matter. And Jericho with his big, fat fucking booze head, like, I, I know he's a, he's a veteran, he's, you know, everything. But, like, that giant fucking swelled up fucking booze head of his, like, it just looks fucking crazy. And he's out there trying to throw it a little bit of a bubbly, like, oh, Jesus Christ. This just isn't for me. It's, again, I, I say it time and time again, this shit is not for me. Um, so I, I don't have to, I, I don't have a lot more to go into as far as that show or anything, but it's just, it's not for me. Um, yeah. Um, Steve Milan says, uh, team Hogan versus team flair happening at WWE crown jewel ad nauseum. Do you think sting versus undertaker will ever happen? Whether it's regular pay-per-view or crown jewel, if it ever does, uh, come close to the point of being sting or is taker or sting a referee. Do I think? Uh, Sting vs. Taker is practically dead or happened too late. I man, I couldn't give a shit less about Sting or Undertaker and what the fuck they do with the rest of their lives. 
honestly, when it when it comes down to when that match was a big money match, it was before they even started talking about it. It was when Sting was in WCW and Undertaker was still doing his fucking thing. Like, not, you know, roll out these fucking old-ass men and put it together because the names look awesome on a card next to each other having never done it. Like, I, I'm just... I'm not into this fucking dream match somehow, you know, way into their future. And I feel the same way about, like, Onita. Drag Onita out here and have him wrestle all the new, fresh deathmatch wrestlers out there because they always watched Onita as a kid. Like, yeah, okay, that, that, but the match is going to fucking blow. It, you know, I mean, it, you're not going to get a good fucking match. You're just going to be like, oh, I can't believe these guys are in the ring together. Well, that, that's great. I mean... Might as well just put them at fucking side-by-side signing tables and have them take, like, group pictures and be like, I can't believe I got Sting and Undertaker in the same picture. How much better value is it to actually see them wrestle at the age they are? I can't imagine much. Um, Mike Dix asks, what was the last wrestling show I went to and what was the straw that broke the camel's back that made me stop going? And what could be announced at a wrestling event that would make me say, fuck, I need to see this live? Uh, the, the first question, I, I don't remember what the last show I went to. It might have been the um, the GCW, whatever the fuck that was called, with uh, uh, Date with Destiny. It might have been that one. Because that one definitely disappointed the shit out of me with a bunch of things. And um, I, I had been getting tired of it to begin with. So So many things. It was just... You know, the, the, the need for crowd participation and, I you know, I know that can be part of the show and this and that. But if you did want to just sit and fucking watch, you know, without the wrestler coming out every fucking 10 minutes going, oh, chant my name again. I know I didn't even do anything yet, but chant my name again. Like, uh, put your hands up, fucking jump to the side, fucking put your, chant this thing, uh, chant that name. Like, you guys haven't done a fucking thing yet. You want me to just, like, fucking pep rally your shit before you even did a move? Like, after a while, I just, I, I just got tired of it. I just got tired of the experience and being surrounded with the people that still fed into it. And they weren't showering on top of it. You know, and it just became, like, a disgusting environment for me. And quite honestly, too, like, you know, the party atmosphere was really cool to me back in the day because I was doing that type of shit. I was drinking heavily and, and doing all those things. So that was a lot of fucking fun because I was part of that. Well, once I got sober, it was a bunch of people fucking spilling beer on themselves and anybody around them. And you definitely had the option of like, yo, so little things that like back in the day never fucking bothered me. Well, honestly, it, things, all right. So, for instance, like if a guy fucking uh, wrestler chugged fucking half a beer and threw it in the fucking air and it splashed on you, even when I was drinking, that bothered me. Now, imagine a guy fucking sober and be like, why the fuck do I need your beer on me? Like, I stopped drinking fucking years ago and, and, and I need you to throw beer in the air like it's fucking like it's like it's the most awesome thing to everyone in the crowd, like someone's old fucking half a beer. Like, just thrown around. Like, oh, shit, I got fucking beer splashed, splashed on my shirt. Yeah, it's just, who the fuck wants that? Why? Like, this is what I mean. Like, the the type of crowd it is, this is an environment where that shit is fun. That shit is cool. Everybody's in their glory. And I'm just in hell. Like, I'm fucking looking at this shit. Like, why am I here? This is fucking gross. It just, the whole atmosphere is just not for me anymore. It was at a point. I aged past that. I matured. 
take that for what it's worth because, you know, people get all fucking offended because you're calling them immature and stuff like that. But look at the behavior in the fucking crowd. And the more into it that that you are, you know, you're not going to see it. Because maybe I didn't see a lot of the bullshit when I was that deep into being, you know, that guy when I was when I was so fucking charged up on wrestling. You know, I was a whole different motherfucker in the early 2000s when CCW was at its fucking best and I was marking the fuck out front row for all of that that awesome shit. Some of these people are seeing some of this, this Nick Gage shit for the first time now. They think it's the best fucking thing ever. And I see a watered-down, corny fucking version of Nick Gage that doesn't appeal to me at all. Because I used to see the savage Nick Gage that was out there killing motherfuckers. No fucking smiles. No fucking thank yous to everybody in the fucking building. No, you know, this this fucking guy sounds like Funk Master Flex out there. He's fucking, I like to give a shout out to this one. Like, give a shout out to that one. I'm going to drop a bomb, give another shout out. You know what I mean? Like, this this is what he sounds He's like fucking Angie Martinez out there. You know, like, this, this dude's fucking shouting everybody to fuck out. He's thanking everybody. I do this for you. And that was, that used to be a bullshit Teddy Hart promo. God bless. I do this for you guys. I wouldn't be out here if it wasn't for you. Gage does that every fucking show now. But for all the people in attendance, they eat it up like, dude, he said it's for me. It's fucking for me. Like, I can't even believe it. Like, I thought he did it for someone else, but it turns out it's me. Like, holy shit. I'm so happy. Like, fucking Gage is my friend now. I'm a gang member. Like, you know, going home talking shit to their parents. Shut up, mom. I'm in a gang. Like it's fucking crazy. Like I, I can't, I can't hang out with you guys. Like it, I don't want. I, there's nothing about me that wants to be there. Um. So as far as what would get, what what could get booked, that would make me go, oh, fuck. I need to see this live. Nothing under the sun. I don't give a shit about wrestling on that level. I just don't. I, I'm all set. There's a very few matches and guys that I still really, really like to watch. And I could do so from the comfort of my own fucking home. And if mid-match I go, ah, not in the mood for this shit, I could just fucking turn it off and move on. You know? I don't have to drive an hour or two hours, fucking sit amongst a bunch of fucking people and this and that. It just, no thanks. It's not for me anymore. I've said it a bunch of times and I am not fucking exaggerating. I way, way more value the Muppet universe than I do professional wrestling. Like, way more. Like, if a Muppet movie comes out, I'm fucking, I'm there as soon as I can get there. You could not drag me to a fucking wrestling show right now. So, I mean, that that should tell you the difference. Like, it's just, and that that's not a slight on the Muppets whatsoever. That just shows you, like, I am interested in this. I am not interested in that. It's just, I'm a different person than I used to be. Um... Brian wants to know how really scary is gang affiliated gimmick when you're in minimum security. Uh, again, it goes back to what I said. Did this nonstop gang, 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 gang. Like it reminds me of like fucking Takashi. Takashi was screaming all that gang shit in the end. He's the one in the fucking court going like, yo, it was him right there. Because like when you got to fucking scream that shit over the top to fucking convince people you're fucking tough, like Gage didn't have to convince a motherfucker he was tough by saying I'm in a gang and it, it's, it, this is not, this is not cool shit to all of these people who think that shit is cool. Like, I, I just don't like, it, he just shared the fucking, the, the prison photo uh shirt again, like they're reprinting that and he's like reprinting these gonna fucking put these out 
DM me if you're interested. Fuck the police. Like, fuck the police. Did did the police get you addicted to fucking painkillers and have you rob a bank in broad daylight? Where Where is that their fucking fault? You know what I mean? Like, so are we, should we let drug addicts rob banks in broad daylight? Are the police just complete dicks for wanting that to not happen? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, this is the mentality I can't fuck with. Like, when he violated parole after one fucking year of being out at the Nick Gage Invitational and the Nick Gageless Invitational, and the crowd erupted and fucked the police. Oh, oh, are they just hating? Are, are, did they lock him up for something he didn't do? Or did he violate fucking parole like an idiot and go back on fucking drugs? Oh, oh yeah, that's what he did. Because he was out drinking and doing this and doing that. And then right back into the shit. And then now the second time he comes out, now he's super gang affiliated. Because when he came out the first time, he didn't say a fucking word about a gang. He was happy to be out, but he was a fucking vicious fucking the Nick Gage of old. And bigger and fucking jacked up. He had that fucking prison body. He went back in for a year. Came the fuck back out. Not as big. And now gang affiliated. I guess that that makes up for gym work. You don't have to work out in the gym anymore as long as you talk to a couple people getting a fucking gang. And then he came out yelling that gang shit at a bunch of fucking nerds. Absolute fucking filthy nerds. We're, we're all a gang. We're in a fucking gang. It's a gang. We're a gang. You want you want to be in a gang? Okay, you're in a gang. I'm in a gang. Everyone's in a gang. Like you're fucking corny as shit. This is not the fucking Nick Gage that I was an enormous fan of. That that's what makes me fucking sad about the whole thing is because like this this is a cornball. This this is what he's putting out there. He, his his aggression in the ring is nowhere near what it was. I used to worry about Nick Gage's opponents. You know, I used to go like, oh, that, that other person's fucked up against Gage. Now I'm just like, eh, you know, I mean, I'd probably be in a right match. Gage could work, you know, but he's just another guy now. And he's going to come out and thank everybody and just make you fucking sick. So, you know, I mean, this, this is how I view this shit now. Um, let me see. Is there anything else I want to get into? I know what I want to close with, but. Before I get there, I want to make sure I cover all this wrestling shit that I possibly have, which there isn't much. There really isn't much. Um, the uh, NWA, uh, you know, they, they signed uh, Homicide. I don't know if signed is the, is the right word. They're using Homicide, and they're using uh, Eddie Kingston, which is great. You know, those, those are two top fucking talents, and Eddie, Eddie the, I saw a promo he was cutting. And I mean, you know, he's he's just one of the absolute best out there at cutting promos and and doing what he does. So, I think that's money right there. You know, that's that's really you know something you could look at and go, all right, well now they have something to fucking to base their product off of. You know, so. Uh, and another cornball. Fucking uh, G. Raver just put out the um, the uh, Jim Cornette shirt, but now it just says motherfucker across the top, and his head is zombified. It's like green and shit, which, by the way, was how the initial design looked. So he scaled back to something along the lines of what it was supposed to be, and now he's going to resell it and make a whole shitload of money. And uh, I guess he's got like a website. 
uh, yeah, they, the IndieConnection.com is also, um, I don't know what they call that, but rerouted. Like you, you could put in fuckjimcornette.com and that comes up. So, you know, whatever. I mean, they just keep fucking with this dude as if he's the guy who, who fucked up uh, G. Raver's arm. And, you know, just using them for publicity. And it, it seems to be working. So, you know, there's that. Um, what else? I think that's about it. Um, so the last thing I wanted to get into was uh, something I consider an enormous loss in my life. Um I started going to the Bronx Zoo some years ago, uh, three, four years ago, something like that. And, um, yeah, we had went to the Philly Zoo a few times. And, th- I mean, this may have been when I went to the Philly Zoo. might have been maybe the first time I even saw gorillas up close. And I thought it was really cool. And they had, like, uh, you know, the glass windows and stuff like that. And they were just kind of laying around doing their thing. But it looked very, you know... Uh, institutional, very prison-like. There was no real... It didn't have, like, a good, great vibe to it. It was so awesome to see these guys up close, though. I thought it was so great, and I just sit there and watch them, and they just move a little bit or throw you a face or something. It is just really cool. Um, so then we when we went to the Bronx Zoo, I, I was greeted with the most amazing exhibit that I've ever imagined. Um, and if you go to the, if you haven't gone to the Bronx Zoo, um, or watched the zoo, which is a show on, uh, Animal Planet, they ran for a couple seasons. I don't know if it's renewed or whatnot, but they did at least two seasons. And their, their whole thing, their whole, um, goal is to make things look not just like an animal in a cage. It's to build the habitats, enclosures that are habitats that look natural that that are give you a feeling that this is this is where they should live this is a this is a habitat that's worthy uh, of an animal's presence because so many of these other things philly zoo there's some nice things to it but it's very clustered it's very um claustrophobic and just packed together the bronx zoo is beautiful you'd never know that it, it existed in the actual bronx because the bronx is a shithole but when you walk through that fucking zoo, you're in another world and you'll walk a little while where there'll just be woods around you. And there's no even enclosures within that, that short walk. And then you'll, you'll reach your next exhibit and, and they're sprawling large exhibits. You know, they, they have a monorail that takes you around the, um, the, the over the Bronx river and it takes you, you know, across some habitats, and the, the tiger habitat for one single tiger is enormous. And, uh, you know, they have elephants, and they're in big, giant enclosures. There's these uh, Asian, I think they're Asian horses. And, uh, actually, I know they're Asian horses because it's in the Asian uh, area. But, and uh, they're, they're only, um, they're extinct in the wild, but they exist in captivity. And these things have like fucking like five, four or five city blocks of fucking space. They're just like, they keep driving and they're just like, yeah, believe it or not, this is still their enclosure. You know, they're all huddled on that other end, but you know, they, they hang out all over this thing, depending on what time of day it is. It's like, wow, that's fucking incredible. There's a, there's a cafe area where you go and you eat 
And it looks like the fucking baboons are, like, reachable. Because they're right there on this, like, mountain that's right next to you. But it's done in a way where there's just, like, barely any barrier. It's just, like, you and then them, they're right there. There's no large, crazy fence. There's no um, insane, you know, barrier between you and them or anything that, that makes a... Uh, Makes it look like you're looking through something to see them. Which is, you know, if if you saw the fucking viral video that was on the internet, it was this fucking idiot dancing. Um, and it, it said, like, oh, she went to the lion enclosure. It was at the Bronx Zoo. Um, I, I already, as soon as I saw the video, I said, oh, no. she She's not on the other side of the moat, so she's not actually in with the lions. I feel like she should be shot anyway because she's putting um, the habitat to everything in in danger by even threatening to be on the other side of that moat by even teasing the fact that she, she's somewhere she shouldn't be in that zoo. This is, this is what got, you know, Harambe killed and understand when I tell this story and I, and I explained the Bronx zoo to you, this is where I found my deep hatred and, and, and passionate disgust and intolerance for the jokes and the nonsense that went on years ago that started up my whole shit with Hamhead and the rest of these assholes that thought it was a big fun joke that they could just continue this Harambe thing. And I didn't think it was fucking funny because a human cost this animal its life. And um, so mo- moving forward. So this this asshole was in there, but there's a big giant fucking moat that's at least 10 feet long or, or more. 15, 20 feet long between you and the lion. But the shrubbery that, that, you know, the ground cover that they have in front of it, if you watch it from just a little bit off to the distance, it looks like flat ground between you and the lion. And that's the aesthetic that they put out there. That's, that's what their goal is to make it look like you're just seeing them in the wild. You're just, you're just viewing an animal at their natural state, which is beautiful. Now, uh, you watch the show, too, and you'll see the compassion that they have for these animals and, and the true care that they put into them. And they do conservation and they do things to repopulate. There was a, a type of endangered frog that they bred and released. And, you know, obviously they know the ways to do that. They didn't just, like, throw, you know, uh, captive frogs into the wild and go, good luck. You know, they... They reintroduce the species into the wild in Africa, and yeah, these are the things they're trying to do and continue to keep these species alive and educate people on the different things that that go on. So it's a beautiful, beautiful place, and I highly recommend it. Um, When I found myself, you know, at the Bronx Zoo for the first time, we finally found the area known as Congo Gorilla Forest. And this is nothing short of amazing. And, and I and I said you know, everything I said about the rest of the zoo, this is no exception. You walk through, it's a cavernous area. Um, you know, you walk in the first part. And um, it's, it's like a kind of twisting cavernous area. So you go, you go in a little bit of arches and caves and it'll open up into um, different types of monkeys and baboons and, you know, gibbons and all sorts of different things that you'll see as you go through. And the, the final main attraction that it brings you out to is a 
giant panoramic theater setting for the gorillas. This this theater setting is separated into two troops of gorillas, but again, true to the Bronx Zoo, you can't even see the separation. It looks like a big tree that separates the two things, a big artificial tree on the inside of these panoramic windows, but there's a big moat in between the two that you can't even see from your angle inside of there. No matter where you stand, you really can't see the separation from there. So on one side, there's a bachelor troop that is also uh, rotated with another female troop. And um, they have in there, um, I think, five boys. And those are the guys you see out there more times than not. Um, you know, Again, very impressive big male gorillas. On the other side was Ernie's troop. Um, Ernie was their silverback. And when I tell you this guy was impressive, I, I can't put into words how amazing this animal was. I know I've never seen something this big and impressive. He's double the size of any gorilla there. At the time when I first started going, I mean, they had every female on that side. And I, I later learned that there's very strict guidelines that they use for their breeding, um, their, the, their breeding program. And it's all regulated by a higher authority. Um, the wild wildlife conservation services. I think that's the proper abbreviation um, is WCS. And I think that's the words for it. But anyway, um, the, it's very um, highly regulated and they make sure that they don't mix, um, you know, the family lines over and over. So they're not just inbreeding animals. And another interesting thing about gorillas um, is within this, um, this organization and within the, um, the regulations of it, no gorillas are taken out of the wild anymore for zoos. They're all bred in captivity through this very strict guideline of the proper, um, branching out of, of the bloodlines. So again, you're not just getting a bunch of inbred gorillas and, you know, because it, it really dumbs down, everything about it like you you cut your lifespans you do a lot of things if you continue to just inbreed or anything like that so they do it all very responsibly but i say that because you know when i started going there and for many years um the past couple of years every female there had a baby like they all had babies at the same time pretty much ernie was the father of those babies and so all in between the two troops Counted probably up to about 20 gorillas. And Ernie was double the size of every single gorilla there. Ernie, to me, became quickly the most celebrity an animal can ever be. I, I looked forward to seeing this guy. He was my main attraction. Every time I went, it was, I got to see Ernie. Now, Ernie, um, he stayed in his den more times than not. He would just kind of hang in there. And um, we, we did a, a special event that cost us some extra, and it, it allowed us there after hours for uh, an hour and a half, two hours, whatever, where they taught us more about the gorillas. Um, and, you know, there was no large crowds or anything there. It was after hours. So it was only the group that paid for the the um, the event. And they taught us more about that. And they said, with Ernie, he, I mean, he stays in his den most times, and he, he comes out when he feels like it. 
you're lucky if you see him because he it's got to be like a Disney movie for him to come out and, and hang out out there. All the conditions got to be perfect in order for him to do that, which is a crazy thing because out of all the times we went, I think maybe one time he didn't come out for me, you know, and obviously not specifically for me, but it, it was a bond that I always felt. I always felt like he gave me my time. I'd wait him out and wait him out. As as the routine went, what we ended up doing, because I became so fascinated with them, I just couldn't have enough time breezing through. So we went with the family, and, and we started the routine where uh, we'd all go to the gorillas. They'd go check them out, everything, and then they'd leave me there for an hour. I'd say, meet me back here in an hour, or in an hour I'll leave here and I'll meet you wherever you're going. So, you know, they would go do the butterfly house, do a couple other things and stuff like that. And we meet up afterwards and we go see the rest of the zoo. And for that hour, I'd pace back and forth. I'd go to the one side um, because on the one side, it was a big panoramic theater kind of situation where Ernie's troop was. You saw a bit of that panoramic, um, like that, that same theater area. You can see a bit of Ernie's section there. And then you'd walk into a tunnel that has a walkover bridge. You could see them through a little window up above you. And then to the right was a big rock area. And the big rock area led up, up like a mountainous area. And there was like an alleyway. And that alleyway led to his den, their den. So that's where he would emerge from. And you could see these gorillas react to whether Ernie was coming or not. You know, everybody was like on point with like, oh, he's coming, you know, and you'd see the gorillas like move around and stir. And, you know, the babies would come running up to him, seemingly trying to impress him, you know, do a little dance or they'd come beat on their chest in front of him. Like, look, dad, look what I'm doing. You know, they're so interactive and expressive that I I could watch them for days. I mean, it's they're really incredible. Um, So. I would sit and I'd, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd go back and I'd keep checking that rock area. And sometimes you'd hear just like commotion, like, whoa, and then you knew Ernie was out because these people were just being wowed seeing the biggest primate they've ever seen in their life. And, um, sometimes he'd give me 10 minutes. Sometimes he'd give me 45 minutes, but he never disappointed me. And, uh, it made my day every time I saw him, I, I got to take so many great pictures of him. And it and it really it made my day every time I saw him. It's like mission accomplished. Got to see Ernie. Um, so this was um, and again with the night night of the gorillas that we did, um, we got there. You know, we looked around. We got to see so much. You know, more and learn so much more. But Ernie wasn't out. And um, they were gonna go do a little presentation, some kind of little film, educational film thing for you know whatever, fifteen twenty minutes educational thing and uh i opted out of that you know like we're gonna go over to the theater area i'm like no 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 i'm gonna sit this one out because i wanted to see ernie i i was i was gonna fall back and i was gonna see ernie so i i went over there and i just fucking sat there right right by that cliff you know right to to watch that cliff and sure enough he came out and he gave me a good 10 15 minutes of ernie time and before those people even came back out he headed back in so that was that was something that I knew was worth it to me to skip, you know, what they were doing because my my goal was to see him. That that was my number one priority and and he gave it to me. Um so last year 
on the show The Zoo, um, suddenly there was an episode that pertained to Ernie. And they said, oh, you know, we see a problem with his teeth. And it's amazing, too, how they work with them because they do all these target things where they take the uh, stick that looks like a fishing bobber, uh, like, um, you know, like a red and white fishing bobber floaty, like it's a styrofoam thing on the end of a stick. And they say target and they have them like touch this and open their mouth and bend this way and turn this way so they could check all their different body parts and they could try to look for any kind of signs of distress or anything that's out of the ordinary reaction time, this and that, and just documenting every single thing to keep on top of their health. Because, I mean, how do you give physicals to, you know, this massive animal? Well, they, they do very, very well at doing physicals on and keeping track of the movements and health of all of their animals there. So they noticed that there was a broken tooth on Ernie. So they said, you know, this is causing him pain. We need to get him knocked out. We need to figure out what's going on. We need to, you know, pull his teeth or, you know, the tooth or, or we need to fix the tooth. We need to figure out what we can do for it to, you know, alleviate his pain. While under, they checked his heart and they found some some things they didn't like. The, there was some uh, there was a heart problem. So um, within that episode, you learn like all right, and it's this is like a roller coaster ride for me because again, like I this is this guy is like a celebrity to me. This this is my main attraction, you know. Here is is seeing this guy. So what I'm seeing on the show, I don't know if this show is going to end with saying you know in memory of Ernie, like we lost him and shit. Or, or what I'm going to see, but I, I'm hearing that this guy that, that means so much to me is, and I know to a lot of people that might sound crazy, but I think if you've listened this long, you're into this, uh, but um, to, you know, to hear that something's wrong with them was heartbreaking in itself to just be like, holy shit, you know, this, this is, this is my guy, you know? So, um, they said they figured it out. They know what they're dealing with now. And luckily, like the, the tooth situation could have been a saving grace for him because now they know what they're dealing with. They can medicate it. They can manage it. They could um, extend his life based on what they've learned, which is great. And uh, fucking cat behind the fucking chair. Um, so, um that that's what I learned there. I, I went to see him sometimes after that, and you know, as, as I said, he he was completely managed and everything was well. I hadn't heard anything else, and this this summer was kind of crazy. It was it was very busy with us with the race seasons, and we had a lot of rainy Sundays and different things that we were doing, and really didn't get out there. We have family passes, so usually we go three four times a year. Um. And once it hits like the winter time, as soon as it gets like the, the ground is a certain temperature, then um, they lock them in and they're out. They're in for the season. There's like one little window that you can see them, but it's nothing in comparison to their normal viewing. And you get lucky if you see one or two, you're definitely not seeing the group. So, um that's you know that's kind of you know what we've made a routine of doing so we didn't get there this year and um we had planned to go this past weekend 
So we went this past weekend, did our normal routine, dropped me off the gorillas. I'm looking, I'm watching them. I'm waiting for Ernie. I'm waiting for Ernie. I'm back and forth and back and forth. And the girls seemed off in his troop, but I didn't think anything of it. It was a little gloomy and everything else. And I, I just didn't, I just really didn't think much of it. I figured, you know, just nothing, nothing crazy, you know, Ernie's just being Ernie. Maybe he'll come out, give me a little time. Maybe not. I, I don't know. Um, and there was a moment where I, there, well, previous to that, uh, there was a lot of, like, there was a lot of commotion and like gesturing towards that same cave area that he always emerged from. And I, I kept thinking to myself like, Oh, he's coming. Like they're, they're looking over there. They're, they're seeing something with him They're They know what's going on over there. They're looking for him. Okay. Like he's going to come out. And a couple of the girls would go over and hang up there and then they'd leave. And, and I, and I thought like, okay, well, you know, false alarm, whatever, you know, hopefully he's coming out soon. There was a girl sitting up in front of the glass and I looked at her and I made eye contact with her. And as I took a picture of her with my phone, I saw just a deep sadness in her eyes. And I immediately knew. I immediately knew. I said, oh, oh, fuck. And I took my phone and I figured if I Googled Ernie Bronx Zoo, if I missed something that went on with him, the Internet would tell me, you know, somewhere, somehow there was an article written somewhere that I that I didn't see. I wasn't following the right person or page or whatever the case was in order to get the news. And immediately after Googling that, it, it came up. Ernie passed away July 26th due to heart complications. 36 years old. Now, gorillas live, uh, in, especially in captivity, uh, 35 to 40 years. Some gorillas have been known to live up to 50 in captivity. Now, you know, look, I mean, that's that's a great lifespan for him, especially as massive as he was with a heart problem. But it is just fucking heartbreaking um, to know, like to, to look at this troop. I've seen them, you know, a lot of times now and to see how broken they looked and the sadness in their eyes. He passed away in July. It's October. They are still just shattered. The emotions and, you know, what you see out of these guys, they are so close to human emotions that, I mean, you can really see it in them. And, you know, maybe it was that amount of time that I've spent viewing them and watching them that that made me know, like, right off the bat when I looked in her eyes and she had this sadness. And I posted the picture of the exact look that I saw. And uh, anyone who looks at that picture would agree that, oh, yeah, yeah, that's. Yeah, you're right about that. And sure enough, again, like when I Googled it, it confirmed it right away. And then it, it set on in on me because I, I looked and, and just went, oh, fuck, because I'm surrounded by now I'm looking at every one of them and they're all fucked up. They're all sad. They're all down. They're all just just moping. They're just not the same. That troop is is fucking just dismantled. Their leader is is gone 
And when I realized that when they were gesturing towards that cliff, towards that opening where he'd emerged from, they were looking for him like I was. And it, it just fucking crushed me. So, um, so rest in peace, Ernie. Uh, that's, it's a major loss for me. Cause like I said, uh, to me, he was a celebrity, which I don't give a fuck how that sounds to people who worship, uh, fucking, you know, deathmatch wrestlers and, and wrestlers grabbing each other's cocks and, and, and things of those, that nature. No, no disrespect to, uh, some of the deathmatch wrestlers I'm friends with and uh, I respect, but uh, you know, but let's let's put things in perspective, and you know, and this is just again, this this is where my passion lies is with animals. I, I hold way more value on these animals than I do with people, just because they, you know, they they show you an in, innocence, they show you a wholesomeness that that humans have lost. You know, we're we're fucking bickering and making mountains out of molehills with the fucking words and, and this and that. Now we're changing this and, oh, we do, I identify as this, so now I'm offended by that. Now I'm this and I'm, I'm that. And we don't even know how to fucking get along just as a fucking group of people anymore. We We can't even just sit in the same fucking room and exist without someone saying, no, no, you need to act this way because I've decided this. And, oh, I heard this person say that, so now this can't happen. And now this happened and that happened and that to be good. You see the way that the animals coexist and the way that they they um, they function as a, as a whole as a group. And there there are so many things in in the animal kingdom that is to be respected and and looked up to. They'll show you they'll show you strength, both physically and um, just willpower wise that is unmatched. You'll see a dog with three legs that spent his whole life with four. And within a shorter period of time, learns to fucking live with those three legs like nothing even happened. Like it, like it's not even an issue. You'll see animals that were beaten by humans, that were abused by humans, that still want nothing but the love of a human. That are still following people around and forgiving and moving on from these terrible tragedies that they've seen. Animals are incredible. They may not have the intelligence to fuck this world up like we do. But they're better for it. You know? Our intelligence is is both a gift and a curse. Because we're destroying this fucking world pretty quick. Based off of our technology and our our, uh, overpopulation and everything else. And we as humans are sitting back and going, how can we control this animal population? They're getting in our way. Well... We've done nothing but get in their way the entire fucking time we've been on this planet. And it continues to get worse and worse as species disappear and habitats are just ravaged for our convenience. So, I just wanted to share that with everybody here because uh, it means a lot to me. You know, if if I did the show for nothing else today, I wanted to do the show to talk about this. And, uh, yeah, so that's about all I got. Hopefully I have some more topics for you guys next week. Obviously I'm going to go see dice. So I'll have that to talk about and, uh, you know, whatever else you got guys, send me fucking topics, this and that trying to get into a little bit more of the other stuff, 
Yeah, I'm trying to mix it up a little bit and get into things I'm a little bit more passionate about. Because week in, week out, I come out here and I can talk shit about you fucking wrestlers. And I don't have a problem with doing that. A lot of you motherfuckers are clowns. And I'm just, just not tolerant towards it anymore. And I'm not saying shit just to fucking rile people up or get myself attention. Because I really don't give shit one way or another. But, um, yeah, it's just, just honest right off of, uh, you know... It comes from the heart. All the shit that I say, you know, whether I'm fucking ripping somebody apart, it's just how I fucking feel, you know. But um, yeah. Uh, um, check out Hot Tag Pod and Hot Tag Podcast. Jesus Christ, I'm going my old school, old school. Uh, check out Dirt Sheet Dudes. There's the old Hot Tag Podcast coming back at you. Um, check out um, Wrestling Overdose. I don't know what fuck Shaheen's doing. He's out there killing it on the fucking, uh, the art game. He's, he's fucking traveling all over the fucking country and all this now. So, uh, check out Nuclear Heat Graphics. Wrestling Overdose, I, I think he did a show, but it wasn't on the feed, but it's on something else. And I, I don't know. Check him out. Check out Shaheen's page, Wrestling Overdose, Nuclear Heat Graphics, the whole thing, everything he's doing. It's my guy. Um, check out, I got you five stars, my boy Jeremy doing his fucking thing over there as always um fucking bill's mafia man they're jumping off of fucking bridges and shit like these motherfuckers are almost dying shit um check out eric williams over there at the uh we're not as good as our fans think we are podcast um he's a great dude and uh you know he picked a he picked a sad topic, but you know, support him anyway. Um, then you got the uh, fucking wrestling soup, of course. Motherfuckers out there killing it week in week out, crushing it, doing their fucking thing, showing motherfuckers how podcast is done, making a business out of shit that I make a mockery out of on a weekly basis. I think my whole shit recorded tonight, so that's a positive. Um. False Count Radio with Andrew Carlock. Check him out. And uh, I think that's all I got for this week, guys. Uh, Talk to you guys next week. Hopefully. We'll see. Peace. Talk to y'all later. Have a nice night. Stay dry. It's raining again. Tired as rain. Makes the grass green. I won't complain about that. That's all I gotta say. I'm out of here. I love all of y'all and, uh, shit. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You've been in the gym, bro. You know why? DJ Hyde, fuck you. You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. I listen to your, to your podcast and I'll find everything out. You know what I mean? You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you? Good. Like, Jesus tell me, tells me all the time to listen to what you gotta say because you be blazing people. And I'm like, well, I gotta hear it now. <laughs> you just know how to hide. All right. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, 
I always tell the truth. Even when I lie. The Cusa Kids Radio. Jesus! So say goodnight to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something, the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no fools.